Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, August 17th. Spoiler alert. I'm going to have trouble even reading this, much less commentating on this. This is written by a man who speaks eight languages, spoke three languages fluently, uh, four languages before before he was ten, grew up in Europe. Um, Anyway, this is all about language and unique accents, and I'm going to do my best and then we'll see what happens. Accents are important indicators of attitude, for they derive from more than upbringing and environment. So far, so good. Ego has its center in the medulla oblongata, at the base of the brain. Tension at that point tends to draw the head backward, causing one to look down his nose at the world, and thus to speak with a slightly nasal accent. Aggressive willpower makes one force his words out. He therefore emphasizes his consonants. Expression of the kinder emotions tends to soften the consonants and emphasize the vowels. Sounds like oo and oo, though common in certain languages, also suggests in the tightening of the lips an attitude of mild reluctance consonants in which the H is pronounced in conjunction with B, P, T, and K, like the Bengali balo, which means good, are pronounced similarly in all languages when the feelings are expressed emphatically. The American flat A is a soft double sound as in man, wherein the second sound is almost inaudible. It sounds sweeter than the same word spoken with an open English accent. The R in the word better sounds warmer and more welcoming in American English than in the British English better. On the other hand, the American double T sounds muddier and less precise than the English American better, English better. So, there it is. Um, if Swami were here reading it for us, it would all make more sense to you because he would be able to act out every one of those syllables with the whole consciousness behind it. I remember when he was traveling once with a friend and they were in Italy and the friend asked him a question about something about a German word and he just said, I can't answer that now, but when we get to Germany, ask me the question. And when they got to Germany, she asked the question and he was able to answer it because he was in tune with the sound and the feeling of what that language was. Swami made an interesting comment about the German language, which has a lot of sound in it. It's farther back in the throat, which he said is closer to the medulla. And there's therefore there's a lot of willpower in the German people, but also that willpower can go toward egotism. I mean, every culture has its faults, and, and Germans are not inherently more egoic than any other culture, but when it goes in an aberration, that may be where it goes. He, let's see, he commented, there's the, 
part of the path of Kriya Yoga, one of the techniques is the energization exercises. And uh, you, you use your body to direct will, so you create, you direct energy by creating tension. You know, tense your arm and you tense your arm as tight as you can and then you deliberately relax that flow of energy. And he said, in every country in the world you tell people to tense as hard as they, as hard as they can, but not in Germany. <laughs> he said, you can't tell them because they have so much willpower that if they tense as hard as they can, they can actually injure themselves. And so there's a lot of consonants in the German language. And historically, Spanish-speaking people are more relaxed in the way they live, and there's a lot of vowels in the Spanish language because all of those different sounds indicate different states of consciousness. Now, some of these, of course, are stereotypes because um, in one of our earlier... um, In fact, it was just on the day before this, you may remember... Swami was talking about ways of, ways of saying things are also conditioned. Accents, m- melody, rhythm are also conditioned because little children grow up. It's, it's so amusing if you speak American English nowadays with the internet. You know, you'll see a little uh, video of some child doing something that's charming but looks extra charming to us because they speak English with an Irish accent. And you think... How did that little child perfect that accent? Of course, then you hear the mother's voice off to the side, and they're all speaking in a perfectly normal way to each other. But it it looks different to us because it's conditioned. That's just what English sounds like. And within America, there are multiple accents, one of the most notable being the way a lot of people in the southern part of the United States speak. Once again, you see little children, I want to use the word imitating, a southern accent. But they're not imitating it. It's just the way they learned it. But then there's also the accent which is spontaneous, which is that which indicates how, how I myself am relating to the world. People have told me I couldn't gauge it because I only speak English. But when Swami speaks German, they say he speaks German like a child. And Swami's comment was, I think a child's German accent is more attractive than an adult's one. And so he says he speaks it that way because he likes it better that way feels more natural to him. It feels more uh, sincere and sincere expression of the way he is. In fact, his accent in English is, is unique. And he said he doesn't have an accent. His accent he calls his accent Kriyananda. He said because he simply pronounces English, he pronounces English the way he thinks English ought to be pronounced. And it's just a conscious decision that these sounds, this rhythm, this melody... Is, uh, is who I am or who, who I, I want to affirm that I am. In Swami's case, he didn't have to affirm. He simply was. So what he's also implying here, um, this book has been translated into languages other than English, and when we find ourselves with an accent that's been conditioned into us, we should also consciously pay attention to whether or not that is the person I really want to be, merely because this is who I have always been or have even been trained to be. Is this really the person I want to be? I was speaking to someone the other night who had failed to call a friend for assistance at a time when it would have made sense to call the friend for assistance. And the only excuse the person could give was their reluctance to ask for help she said, was because that's the way I was raised. 
I didn't mean to be rude, but I pointed out that she was, and I, I am not exaggerating, 78 years old. And both her parents had been off of the planet for a really long time. Is there any point when you're going to self-determine instead of allowing yourself to be molded by your parents? Now, I was teasing her, but not really. So merely because we were born into a place where language is spoken in a certain way, we should pay attention as to whether or not the way that language is spoken serves us. And at least in small ways, begin to compensate if we feel that it isn't right. Um, Swamiji was very precise in his language and he never, um, he never waned. There's a movie, he never varied. He never let his guard down, is what I'm trying to say. He was always attentive. There was a movie, it's called The Answer. There is a movie, it's called The Answer, which is a dramatization of Swami Kriyananda's, a little bit of Swami's life before he met Master. Actually, it's, it's taken from Swami's autobiography, The Path, The New Path, which is the story of Swami's upbringing, how he came to read autobiography, how he became a disciple of Master, and then it, it goes through those three years, three and a half years, when Swami lived with Master. It's that part of Swami's life. It's a beautiful movie. Um, it was it was uh, it it was made uh, with an Indian director, an Indian producer, and uh, a cast of actors. Uh, uh, some people from Ananda are in the movie, but they're just actors like everyone else. It's actually really a lovely movie, and they have an, uh, a, a young man actor who played Swami Kriyananda. The movie was made after Swami died, but he was an old man at that point, so they had to get a young actor to play him. And the young actor did really well, except in a couple of places. At one point he said, I'm going to do it. And those of us who knew Swami knew that Swami would never have said, I'm going to do it. He would only have said, I'm going to do it. I mean, do you hear the difference? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. See how the, the whole vibration of those two statements is different. No one watching that movie would notice it, only someone who was really attuned to language, would even hear it. But it was unthinkable that Swami would have said, gonna, because it's just it, it wasn't in him to do it. And it was so striking to hear someone who was otherwise portraying Swami Kriyananda, pretending to be him, doing that. Just as another thing, there was another point. Most of the movie is wonderful. This is the kind of things that you see. But in another point, they also had the actor kind of leaning over with his hands on his knees, eating a sandwich which is a common sort of young man trait, leaning over eating a sandwich. Swami would never have leaned over eating a sandwich. He never bent his spine. It's a, it was a very undignified thing for a person to do. And even as a child, Swami was just instinctively dignified. He just had this sense of, of his own spine and his own self. Now that was a physical action, which the actor just, you know, he was playing a young man. And the director in almost every way was exceedingly attentive. But those two things struck me. It wasn't really about the movie. It was just an appreciation of how exceedingly precise Swamiji was all the time. In the same way, Swamiji never used slang. Only one time I remember he said, the only slang Swami liked was the phrase, been there, done that. <laughs> he thought that was a brilliant, concise, philosophical explanation. <laughs> I'm not sure he ever actually used it, but he definitely admired it. But on one occasion, something uh, went, went awry, and some experience was not as positive as it might have been. And Swami said to us that 
Really, it, it didn't go as well as I had hoped. In fact, he said, the whole experience was... Then he paused and sort of gathered himself and said, the pits. <laughs> and it was really interesting because with his whole aura, for him to even say, the pits, was just like, where, you know, it was such an incredible disconnect. And so we really have to ask ourselves, you know, what, what, what is not just the common way, the way everybody around me does this, the way I learned it from my parents or my school teachers, but who am I? You know, who do I really want to be and how am I really going to say this? And uh, that's the only thing that really matters. Um, You know, if we had the eyes to see, I think we could read, well, what is the poem, Infinity in a Grain of Sand? I I think every... Spirit is center everywhere, circumference nowhere. That means you could stand at any point and all of creation should be available to you. And I think it is with us. You can look at any tiny point of who we are and what we're doing and you can extrapolate our whole state of consciousness from that. And so even as we strive spiritually in all these different ways to improve ourselves, we should take full advantage of every opportunity there is and Speech is something that is, well, it's sort of between conscious and unconscious in the sense that we, we make a decision to speak, but often we're not paying attention when we speak or operating from subconscious habits instead of actual awareness. Whether or not a person really is going to go to all the trouble to shift their accent is, is something that we have to decide for ourselves. But feel... What, what we're saying and realize that even the way I the, well first of all the language I speak but changing your language is not so simple but the way that I say my words is this really how I want to say my words is this really representative not just of who I am now but who I aspire to become and then every time we hear ourselves pronounce something in a particular way or use a slang phrase instead of a real word or, or as we were talking about from the day before, hearing the melody, ask, ask myself, if someone else said this to me, what kind of an impression would I get from that? And then, is that the impression that I want to give? You know, and what this does is, this gives us all sorts of interesting, entertaining ways to constantly be moving upward toward the light, which is really what the whole goal of life is about. Now, I'm going to reread this one, but I'm not going to go through all the accent parts. I'm just going to read the part that's important and not the illustrators. Accents are important indicators of attitude, for they derive from more than upbringing and environment. Ego has its center in the medulla oblongata at the base of the brain. Tension at that point tends to draw the head backward, causing one to look down his nose at the world and thus to speak with a slightly nasal accent. Aggressive willpower makes one force his words out. He therefore emphasizes his consonants. Expression of the kinder emotions tends to soften the consonants and emphasize the vowels. And then Swami goes into lots of specifics, which I think I'm just going to let pass. So, joy to you, my friends.
Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.